Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit... Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that would be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, I, I'm Pastor Ben, and it is my, my honor to share God's word with you. But I want to start by asking you a question. And now, as I ask this question, this is what's going to happen. I don't want you to raise your hand, okay? I don't want you to raise your hand. Wives, I don't want you to jab your husband in the side, okay? Because when I ask this question, it's going to be very, very easy to do because it's an area of our lives that we all fall short in, okay? You ready? Everyone's going to behave, right? We're all going to be good? All right. So here's the question. Have you ever broken a promise before? Right? No jabbing. We're good? Everyone's behaving? Have you ever not followed through on a commitment before? The answer, of course, is yes, right? If we actually raised our hands and we were honest, we'd all have our hands in the air. In fact, we probably did it within the last week. Because life is hard. Life is life. Life happens. And so it's hard for us to fulfill our promises. You know, we have a promise and we get sick. We can't fulfill our promise. We, we make a promise and we get busy and we can't fulfill our promise. We make a promise and then we realize we shouldn't have made that promise. And then we don't fulfill that promise because maybe we shouldn't have to begin with. Or maybe we make a promise and then just to be honest, we just didn't feel like doing it anymore. So we didn't fulfill that promise. You see, we all fall short in that regard. In fact, even those in this room who dedicate their lives to fulfilling their promises, they really value it, right? I'm someone who always falls through on my commitments. We still fall short. I mean, think about how difficult it is to really fulfill all of your promises. Think about your life. You're born, 
And this is really the only time in your life that you don't have to fulfill a promise because you can't make one yet. But when you hit two, it already begins, right? Your parents tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And you make promises, right? I won't behave that way or I will behave that way. And so right now you're already juggling the promises that you have with your parents. You get to school and now you have friends and you have a teacher and you make promises to all three of these. And sometimes they conflict with each other, don't they? You get older, it only gets worse. You get into some extracurricular stuff. Maybe you play a sport and now you have a coach. So now you're juggling promises to four different groups of people. You get older, maybe get a first boyfriend or a first girlfriend, and now you're juggling that too. All these promises you're making to everybody. You work your way out of high school. You get your diploma. You walk into college, and now you switch out the teacher for the professor, and maybe you get a part-time job, so you have a boss for the first time. And now you're juggling all of those commitments and all of those promises that you've made. Then you get out of school, and you have your first boss. I mean, your first real boss, and you're making good money. But you learn really, really quickly that he's paying you to keep your promises. He's paying you to fall through on your commitments. And if you're very, very good at this, you get a raise, right? You get a better job title. If you're not, you either get fired or you just camp out in that specific position for the rest of your life, right? You are paid to fall through on your commitments. You are paid to fall through on your promises. But that's some troubling stuff, isn't it? Because you still have all these promises over here. Maybe you get married and you have a wife and you have kids and you have friends and you have all of these promises that you've made in your life and these promises conflict with each other. Sometimes you make a promise to your wife and you made a promise to your boss and you got to pick who are you going to make happy today? And it's a struggle, isn't it? And you get older and you retire and you get rid of the boss, but you still have all these things, right? You have your wife and you have your kids. Maybe you have some grandkids, you have friends, and you're making promises to all these people. And the reality hits that we can't keep our promises because the promises we've made to somebody conflict with the promises that we've made to somebody else. You see, promises are nearly impossible to keep all of the time. And that's why when we dig into the Bible, that's why it's so impressive to me that the God that we worship, the God that we serve, has made promise after promise after promise for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And every one of these promises is fulfilled. Every promise that God has ever made always gets fulfilled. No matter how amazing, no matter how impossible these promises might seem. And today we're going to continue our our conversation about the Christmas story. And we're going to see an unbelievable promise that God made. But we're also going to see that once again, God falls through on his promise. You see, this is what we find. Now, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. So as we've been working through this Christmas story, a lot has happened. A lot of the story, you know, right? Every year we talk about the same story. We have Mary right? She's a virgin. She's never been with a man. And, and God tells her, you're going to be with child. Seems so improbable, so amazing. But that's exactly what happens. And she's nervous and she runs off to her cousin Elizabeth, who's also having a miraculous birth. Then they console each other. They care for each other. She comes back. She talks to her husband. God talks to her husband, convinces her husband or her, sorry, her fiance that this actually is happening. And then the Roman empire comes in 
and they demand that everyone goes to their original hometown to be registered so they can tax them. And so Mary and Joseph, they go off to Bethlehem and she gives birth to a beautiful baby boy. And they have these unlikely visitors, the shepherds. But after all this stuff happens, after all this beautiful Christmas story, after the birth of their son, real life happens. And all the commitments that they've made, all the promises that they've made, they have to fall through on. In fact, one that we haven't read yet, one that happens right after the birth, is on the eighth day, they've made a promise to God to circumcise their child because good Jewish people circumcise their young boy, baby boys on the eighth day. And so they do that. And then after 40 days, they have to go to the temple. They have to go to the temple for the purification of the mother, and they also present the child to God. They introduce him to the temple. So Mary and Joseph are in Jerusalem, and that's exactly what they're doing. But this is what happens next. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You see, part of this purification process was that they had to actually submit themselves to having a sin offering and a burnt offering. And if you really are glutton for punishment, you can go back to the book of Leviticus, which is in the Old Testament, and, and it tells you how to do all these things. It's very, very, very detailed and honestly, very, very boring. If you've tried to work through it, read through the Bible. It's a tough, tough read. But if you did go back, you'd see something interesting about these offerings. You see, the offering demanded a lamb. But you see in here, it says that they presented either two turtle doves or two pigeons. Now, why would that be? Well, see, we see something interesting about Mary and Joseph. You see, the law demanded for a lamb, but there was a little caveat. There was a little asterisk. If you were very, 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 very poor, then you couldn't afford a lamb. All you had to do was present two turtle doves or two pigeons. So we get some insight into Mary and Joseph. They were very, 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 very poor. God gave his precious son to people who had very, very little. Now, I don't know if your parents or not, or if you've raised kids or not, but the reality is, honestly, probably no matter how much money you have, I, I guess there's probably some that have more than it's not really a strain, but having a child is a strain in your life. It's stressful. You get nervous. You get anxious. That's just the reality of having a child. But if you... Uh, if you don't have a lot of resources, especially, it can be a financial strain. For most everyone, it can be a financial strain. I mean, you got to put clothes, you got to buy diapers, you got to do all this stuff. Mary and Joseph are feeling this tension. They're feeling this tension. And they're wondering why God would choose them. Why would God choose us to raise this boy? We have nothing. But they're trusting God's promise. They're trusting God that something good is going to come from this. Well, the story continues. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. So we're about to see this interaction between these two groups of people, Mary and Joseph and the baby boy and this man named Simeon. But before we get there, we need to know who Simeon is. Simeon is a, is a man who is more than likely pretty old at this point in time. He's pretty old, but we see something very specific about him. We see that he's devout and righteous, which means he has made promises to God 
and he keeps them, right? He has made this a part of his life that the promises that he's made to God, he's going to fulfill them as much as he possibly can, right? He does what he's supposed to do. And we also see about him that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, which means he's waiting for a promise that God has made to Israel that they would bless the whole world. And so he's waiting for this moment. So he's trusting God and he's also following through on his promises to God. Well, this is what happens next. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon knew and everyone knew, all good Jewish people knew, all the Israelites knew that God had made promises to them that that God was going to use them in a powerful way to influence and impact the whole world. But Simeon had a specific promise just given directly to him. See, God told him that he was going to see the Lord's Messiah before he died. Now, Simeon was getting older day by day and hour by hour. And you can see if you got older and older and older and you looked in the mirror and thought, my day is coming, but God made me this promise. You can see where you'd begin to doubt that promise. You, you can see where you think maybe God didn't quite have it right. Or maybe I didn't quite have it right. Maybe I didn't quite hear it right. But in the midst of his doubts, in the midst of, of all those very real concerns, this is what happens. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came in to the temple. You see, God was about to do something amazing. God was about to follow through on his promise. And so the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to go to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law. So we see Simeon following the Holy Spirit. We see Mary and Joseph following through on their promises, right? Following the law, doing what they were supposed to do. So they bring Jesus to the space where Simeon was. And we're about to see these two groups of people collide. And this is what happens. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you're dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. You see, God had kept his promise. And Simeon sees the little baby boy, which is probably not what he expected to see. I mean, many people in that day, they expected the Messiah to be a conquering king, a warrior. He probably expected somebody who was big and strong and holding a sword, but instead he sees this little baby boy. But the Holy Spirit tells him, this is the Messiah. This is the one. And he holds Jesus in his arms. And God has fulfilled his promise to him. And he begins to celebrate and bless everyone he sees. And this is what he says next. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. So he's just so excited that God has followed through on his promises. Look, I can see this child. I can feel this child. I can touch this child. I can smell the new baby smell, right? I I can see this child. And everyone will see this man grow up. Will see this baby grow up into a man. They will hear him speak. They will see him. They can touch him. They can hold him. This is real. God's promise is real. And he continues. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. And for glory to your people Israel. He says, this is for, this boy is for, this man will be for everyone. There's no walls. It's not just for the people of Israel. Jesus will impact the entire world. 
He is for absolutely everyone. Well, this is what happens next. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. You see, if you've been here through these conversations, as we work through this sermon series called Christmas Expectations, and we followed step by step by step the Christmas story, you've actually heard this phrase many times. That Mary was amazed, that Joseph was amazed, that Mary and Joseph were amazed. You see, time after time after time, in the very real doubts, in the very real concerns that Mary and Joseph had, two poor people with a child, unexpectedly, dealing with this when they weren't married yet, dealing with all the anxiety and all the realities of life that God kept sending people to them to bless them and care for them, to speak into their lives. And every time they were amazed, every time they were blessed, every time they were restored because they knew that God was going to do something amazing through this blessing in their life, through this child in their life that was, that was just such a daunting thing in their reality. But time after time after time, God told them, hey, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm going to be there with you through every step of this journey. Well, Simeon begins to speak again. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. Now Simeon starts predicting the future here. He's, he's making a prophecy, he's making a prediction about what this child will become what this child will do while he's on the earth. And he says this, look, when this child grows up, it's going to divide people. He's going to divide people. There's going to people, be people that are for Jesus, and there's going to be people that are against Jesus. Now, we know the rest of the story, and this prophecy does come true, doesn't it? When Jesus would teach, he would divide people. People would like Jesus, people would hate Jesus. In fact, people would hate Jesus so much they put him on a cross. This was Simeon's prediction to Mary, but he had one more. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. He told the mother of this baby boy that she would experience something horrific in her life that would feel like a sword piercing her soul. And we know what this is, don't we? She didn't know, but we know. See, Mary would sit at the foot of the cross and watch her son die right in front of her. And it would feel like a sword piercing her soul. Now, as we work our way through this story, we see a lot of promises. We see Mary and Joseph fulfilling their promises to God. We see Simeon fulfilling his promises to God. And we see God fulfilling his promises to Simeon. And we also see God fulfilling his promises that he's going to watch over and care for Mary and Joseph through this whole thing. But if we stretch this story out, if we followed Mary and Joseph through their whole lives, if we followed Simeon through his whole life, we would see that they're just like us. That even though they're devout and righteous and they do a lot of good things, that they fail. They drop the ball. They don't fulfill their promises. But through this story, we see something interesting about God. We see that God is very, very different than us. We see that God always keeps his promises. Now, I have to say, it's, it's really, really, really easy to get cynical about this because we live in a world where everyone we know has broken a promise to us. Everyone we know has failed to fall through in an area that they said they would fall through for us. And it's easy to get cynical about the reality that we live in. 
It's easy to take that reality and, and put it onto God to say, oh, if, if these people can't fulfill their promises, no one can fulfill their promises. And that means that God can't fulfill his promises. But as we read through the Bible, this is what's so amazing. Time and time and time again, God fulfills his promises. In fact, if you're looking for a reason of why you should believe that God is real, if you're looking for a reason that you should believe that Jesus is real, look at the filled promises. Some of these promises are predictions about things that are going to happen hundreds and thousands of years in the future. Unbelievable, unexplainable promises. We call these promises prophecies. And I have a few of them for you this morning. Specifically tailored and pointed at this Christmas story. Take a look. From Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this promise was made by God, this prediction was made by God, that there would be a lady who was a virgin who would have a son and would name him Emmanuel, which means God with us, God in the flesh. Absolutely amazing. Here's another one. But you, O Bethlehem, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. This is a prediction hundreds of years before the Christmas story that the Messiah would be born where? Bethlehem. Exactly where Christ was born. But here's the funny thing about that. They didn't live in Bethlehem, right? They lived in Nazareth. But a guy named Caesar Augustus, whose name meant exalted one, right? They viewed Caesar as God. He didn't realize that God was using him as a tool in his hand to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem because of the census at the exact moment when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. A promise, a prediction made hundreds of years before this happened. And there's more. In Jeremiah Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, we haven't gotten to this part, part of the story yet. We're going to get there next week, but you know it well, right? The wise men come, they go to Herod and they say, we want to see the king. Herod freaks out because he's the king. And what does he do? He wipes out all the little boys. And guess what happened to the moms? They were inconsolable, right? They were weeping. This is a prediction that Herod would kill all the little boys. But Jesus escaped. Where did he escape? Egypt, just as God predicted. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my child. God told Mary and Joseph to get out of there, to get to Egypt. And that's exactly where they went. And after it was safe, God told them to come back. He called his son out of Egypt. Amazing. Time after time after time, God fulfills his promises no matter how unbelievable they are. And that's why I can tell you this this morning about the promises that he's made to me and the promises that he's made to you. If he can do these things, if he can make these predictions, if he can fall through on these unbelievable promises, he can fall through on any promise that he's made to you and to me. And that means that no matter who you are, God loves you. It's a promise that he made to us. That means that no matter what you've done in your life, God can forgive you. 
This is a promise that he's made to you. And no matter who you are and what you've done, God wants to have a real relationship with you. He wants to call you his son and daughter. It's a promise that he's made to us. And if you are a son and daughter of the king, that means that his home is your home. That means that after this life, we get to go home. That's a promise from God to us. You see, the God that makes all these predictions and all these promises and always falls through will fall through on his promise to you. You see, the God of the unexpected does whatever he wants, and he wants to fulfill his promises in your life. Some presidents lie above